the Versus Machine podcast, a comparison of great things. The Versus Machine takes on two works of art, one source material and one adaptation, and processes it through to discover the differences and similarities of the two. Whether those differences are good or bad is up to you. After all, it's what happens when you transform one medium into another. It's time to engage the Versus Machine. The machine is on, and it's time again to run two items through it. I'm Stephen Wagner. And I'm Stephen Clifton. The Versus Machine is all about education, education of the source, of the adaptation, and what happens when you take something from one medium and change it to another. But let's meet today's topics. Originally conceived as an inspiration of Capcom's favorite classic, Sweet Home, Resident Evil has since taken the world by storm. Through theme park exhibits, video games, comic books, movies, and everything else, it has become a staple in this world of zombie phenomenon. And there is no better example of the way a zombie should be other than in this game. So the idea of a movie, something out of the player's reach, is an idea that is so startling it's nearly impossible. And with Paul W.S. Anderson's vision, we here at the Versus Machine and the rest of the fans learn that maybe it's possible for some things to become movies or maybe they should just take the better scripts that are handed to them. Let's get started. Chris Redfield vs. Alice In the video game, Chris is the main character. He is the epitome of a hero. In the movie, Alice is the main character. She is the heroine that doesn't know she is one. I think Chris Redfield in the video game is more like your typical action hero. He's that kind of go-getter super person kind of deal that just kind of goes in, does his thing, while uh, Alice in the movie, I believe, is just kind of there. She hasn't quite fully developed her uh, her she, place. She doesn't her. understand why she's there. She's put in a place and, you know, she's confused. She doesn't know why she's there or what she's doing. No, and she just kind of spends most of the time off to the side until later on, I feel as though that fully develops into more of a stronger main character. As the story progresses, she learns and figures out what she's, you know, supposed to be doing. Right, so as opposed to Chris just taking, going in there, doing it, Alice's... Right, he already knows what to do, he's got the information, he's going in to figure out what's wrong. So we definitely have a strong character there, so... Jill Valentine versus Matt Addison. In the video game, Jill is the main supporting character. She is strong, caring heroine. In the movie, Matt is the main supporting character. He is the informed hero with his own agenda. Jill is, I would say, is definitely as strong as Chris, but she's got that more caring attitude towards others and being able to help them if they can. Right, and with uh, Matt, I believe, I definitely has those kind of traits as well, but at the same time, he has his own agenda, like he's kind of doing things in secret. 
has his own specific purposes, but at the same time is also helping that main character uh, with their task as well. Same way with Jill. So it's like a win-win. They're getting more out of this whole thing. They're doing his, uh, their job and then somebody else's. Right. Albert Wesker versus the Red Queen. In the video game, Albert Wesker is the main antagonist. He is the manipulative evil mastermind. In the movie, the Red Queen is the main antagonist. She is an amoral defensive AI. Wesker is somebody you didn't know the whole backstory about him. He was the main guy to carry his crew everywhere, but he he was a mystery to people. They didn't really know what was behind him or his motive. Other than being the, the captain of the stars team, which leads the other characters into the mansion, he's kind of looked up as that leader. And you don't really know of his true intentions until way later on into the game, until you start kind of getting a little bit of a suspicion. But he definitely has, he's overall that main he's, villain that really comes out as, wow. He's highly intelligent. And the look of him, he has that look that, that he's up to no good. But I would have liked him to be more than just the bad guy. Even opposed to that, the Red Queen is, you know off the bat, she's already the main antagonist based off of just genos general genocide of everybody in the, uh, the hive. Right. There was an outbreak, and she wanted to take care of it, so she decided to kill everybody. And, she, well, she was more of a... All of it is more based on logic. Since it's not a person, being able to feel... Uh, Emotions rem isn't there, remorse right. Remorse or empathy does things by pure logic. Well, yeah, true. By, they, just for the safety they, of everybody and yeah, its own it, protection. It's a honest. computer, and it wants to contain all of its problems, so it does what it can to resolve them. Barry Burton versus Rain Ankapo. In the video game, Barry is the helpful side character. He is a reliable weapons expert. In the movie, Rain is the helpful side character. She is an aggressive, emotional combatant. Barry is the kind of guy I would want on my side. He knows his weapons. He's got the power, he knows how to use it, and he knows how to take out any enemy that comes his way. And just overall, that really strong character as well, because... Every time that Jill got in trouble, Barry was always there to help her out, rather if it were to give her ammunition or even help cure the poison in her from when she fought the giant snake. Always heavily loaded with probably the best arsenal you can think of, but overall that best real helpful character that you can right. find for that side character. Just well, a really important asset to that. Yeah, you know when he's carrying his favorite Magnum, he's, he's definitely got it going. Definitely. And he somehow happens to know every time where Jill is. He just happens to know where the trouble is. Mm -hmm. With Rain in the movie, I feel as though that while she's strong, she definitely more of a weapons expert as well. Very more of the hands-on, go-getting kind of person as well, but also tends to let her emotions get in the way as well. True, she's caring, but she's uh, so aggressive and arrogant that she'll get into the fight and not even, you know, worry about herself. So she accidentally, you know, gets bitten multiple times. Very but much so. Like, the, yeah, that's how it happens. Just puts herself in the line of danger. Just Sac to save sacrifice, You know, almost sacrifices herself for that. Rebecca Chambers versus Chad Kaplan. In the video game, Rebecca is the helpless but useful side character. She is the medic who is the heart of the team. In the movie, Chad is the helpless but useful side character. He is the computer expert who leads the way, pretty much. I mean, not completely useless, but she doesn't do a whole lot. She's there to assist you when you're hurt. You know, right. like, like when she uh, 
you have to go get the serum or something. That's all she is. She's just the medic part of the team. I guess while you had Barry as more of that stronger firearms expert, you kind of have to have someone else to the side that is... Well, not as strong. But you need somebody to, there to heal you if there's, you know, right. something goes and wrong. Right, almost the perfect role is the medic, too. And she is um, is the heart of the team to where she's the more optimistic of everything. But not exactly quite you want to, like, throw into the battlefield and expect her to overcome every obstacle. No, because she's so young, she wouldn't understand the full extent of you know, the situation. Uh, well, with Chad, it's almost the same way in the movie. With Chad, he is that computer expert, not quite the medic. But he's his own helpful person. You know, he's got the technology, he knows how to hack, and he knows how to work he around Displays it. all the maps in the, the hive, and is able to locate where they needed to go, but also open the security doors and eventually find a, a way out of there. And while, once again, that's not somebody you're going to want to send in there, I didn't quite get that impression that he really had much experience. He probably didn't. but uh, With combat. But because he knew the way around the hive, I, you know, I would kind of take him along. So I knew where I was going. So I didn't come across something wrong. You know, there's a a room with zombies. I wouldn't want to go down that hallway. So (laughs) so long as I knew where to go. Important side characters. Spence versus Enrico. Well, Spence was from, in the film, Spence was Alice's... Well, he he was the fake husband, right? Yeah, it was the cover-up. Alice and Spence were the cover-up of the... The It was a marriage. It was a cover-up marriage to secure a location. The more important aspect of Spence, and important of the whole story in the movie, is that the, the outbreak happened because of him. He had planned to take the vials of the T-virus and the antivirus, sell it for the black market, but also release a biohazard in the hive just for the, you know, just because. Because he could. Because he could, yeah. But we didn't, yeah, we didn't know that until like way close to the end of the movie because obviously they wanted us to watch it, you know. Oh, sure. And you don't know who he is too until way later on you, it kind of reveals in in a flashback that, oh, this is how it happened. This is who did it. And yeah, I, I'm I, surprised he's more of like a side antagonist almost. He, he was yeah, I I was skeptical of him because I I didn't really want to trust him, and you know not having any knowledge of him or what his intent was of being there until you know later in the movie like all of his actions were a bit shady anyway, so it it doesn't surprise me when it came to that point. Uh, for Enrico in the video game, he was the leader of the Bravo squad that had went missing in search of trying to find out what had been going on with these recent murders in the outskirts of Raccoon City. Right. Uh, you find him later on in the underground caverns, and he's more of that revealing point that kind of tells kind of tells you that there's a traitor amongst the group, uh-huh. and it was all plotted out from Umbrella in the beginning, and it really it, before he is shot by an unknown assailant. And so they give you kind of that knowing that there's somebody out there that's, you know, trying to kill everybody. Pulling the strings, something that is amiss. I mean, not everything is what it seems. Somebody's there making it happen. Right. I really wish that we had more to go on in Rico because it was just that short little scene that we had. And I wish maybe they talked about him earlier. Yeah, they didn't make any real mention of it beforehand. But I think in the part that he was in, I think it was quick. It was short, but straight to the point, but also at the same time. I mean, yeah, it was helpful enough to let us know that there was somebody who was against the team and wanted to 
get rid of everybody. I feel it was an important plot device just to, if you hadn't gone through and collected the notes in the video game, to maybe lead a hint that there's something more going on here than that pretty much just told the player right there and then. Yeah. Important objects and events. T-Virus versus the T-Virus. In the video game and the movie, the T-Virus is the cause of all the problems. The T-Virus in both the film and the movie really just had the same role in particular. It was a mutagenic virus that was developed by Umbrella to basically generate and create EOWs, short for bioorganic weapons, and really for a means of power and to settle the black market or maybe some real secret government. Do, do you think that maybe they wanted to use them as far as part of as maybe a military force, maybe to get the upper hand it's, on enemies? It's very pot. I mean... They didn't really specify as to truly what their means were or the motive behind creating these BOWs. It alludes to it. It's not quite explained in that video game, but the general idea that Umbrella has these secret little operations going on is for that purpose. And the most interesting thing about the T-Virus is just how it reacts to the human body. But not just that. It, but to everything. Would, but how it would react to a it, dog. It changes them differently. How, yes, depending on your genetic makeup, mm -hmm. DNA, met mitochondria. It could mutate your body to different proportions. Different different things that could happen to you. Yeah. Right. Can mutate you in many various ways. The mansion. In the video game, the mansion is the main setting. In the movie, the mansion is a cover-up to hide the main setting. Now in the movie, you're kind of expecting right up for the you're starting already in the hive, which is the setting for that film, but when you're alluded to the mansion later on, it's really just meant as a cover-up for that secret entrance to the hive that's laying underneath on Raccoon City. So you're not very th you're not there for very long. It's no, very it's, it's, brief. It's the beginning of the scene. That's it. If anything, it's where you introduce most of the characters and then exits almost immediately. I, I kind of wish they had a little bit more time with the mansion, just because it was the main setting, you know, back in the game, I would have wished to have seen some more stuff. And so the setting in the game, it pretty much took place, well, through the Entirely whole thing almost, it. minus, I suppose, the underground lab, the caverns, or even the, the greenhouse. You spend right. a great deal of portion in that game in the mansion. You're exploring every hallway, every room, just every everything. dangerous secret and enemy around each corner. Because you're trying to find the information, the notes, the keys, and trying to find out what happened up there in the mansion. I really like the setting of that place, of the mansion, too. It really had a really, cr a really was dark creepy and feeling to it. Yeah, that atmosphere. The was, atmosphere was almost perfect for it. Not like a haunted house, quite. But you'd still be frightened because you, you don't know what's on the other side you're of in that a door. You're in a, yes, you're in a close-quartered place where if you were in danger and had to get out of there, you were very limited on what you could do. So I think for the survival survival horror aspect, it was really nice change of pace to throw that in. Right. I always had to make sure that I had ammo and something to heal myself with because if I went through the door and one of those monsters that was so quick, I'd have to turn around and go back through and catch my breath because I didn't know what was happening. And supplies were very scarce as well. So, I mean, it was quite, quite intense. Umbrella Corporation versus Umbrella Corporation. In the video game, the Umbrella Corporation is a pharmaceutical company. In the movie, the Umbrella Corporation is a pharmaceutical company that also makes military technology and viral weaponry. Now, what's almost alluded, and it's very lightly hinted in the video game that it's a pharmaceutical company, but you do find out that Umbrella is the cause of all of this. The one that's creating all these 
BOWs. Yeah. Right. What it does in secret. Like outside in the world, what it's known for is creating probably the best medical supplies and treatments known to man. It, I mean, it's popular for that and idolized well, in Raccoon yeah. City and secretly underground, dabbling a little bit in viral mm -hmm. weaponry. Sure. The whole secretive whatever they were doing, it's unbelievable that nobody caught on to it until something as much as this big outbreak until the, happened. Until the actual outbreak they were, in the sequel. <clears throat> they were so smart that they could keep it under control for that long is incredible with all the, the medical stuff they did. And even after the game, too, when they went and told people that Umbrella was behind it, they didn't even believe it. It was so... It was so far-fetched that they didn't even think no. that they were a part of it. Now, in the movie, the Umbrella Corporation is known for dabbling mm. their hands in all sorts of little areas, and is very well known that they do work on, you know, military operations and also defense systems and even weapons itself as well. I mean, even has a giant gate yeah. around Raccoon City. Umbrella was pretty controlling, even so, and I think it was a little bit more obvious to some groups of people that he was kind of a tyrant of a corporation. And, yeah, because, what, Wesker was the owner of Umbrella Corporation in the movie? In the film, Albert Wesker was actually, yes, the owner of Umbrella Cor of the Umbrella Corporation, while in the game it had three owners, uh, Marcus, Spencer, and Ashford. That's not dealt with until way later in the following games. But in the movie, I think they decided to make it just simple, and leave so, it as the head, but you're not discovered that until Resident Evil Extinction, the third movie. Yeah. But both have, I mean, they're really similar, but all in all, they're a pharmaceutical company. We're going to take a quick break right now on the Versus Machine, and we'll be right back. Are you a vampire fan? How about werewolves? Then you're probably already watching True Blood on HBO, but are you listening to the review of each episode of True Blood via the Fangbanger podcast? Check out great point-by-point -point discussion that leaves you with a thirst for more. It's the Fangbanger podcast. Fangbangerpodcast.com. That's fangbangerpodcast.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. When you think of magazine, radio, or television ads that people might see or hear once, well, then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, and even years after it was originally inserted in the podcast. So even if your advertising was included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Isn't it time to change up the way you're advertising? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. S.H.I.E.L.D. was introduced in 1965 in an edition of Strange Tales, featuring Nick Fury. It was billed inside comic books as the greatest action thriller of all time. And it's safe to say that secret acronymed international intelligence collection endeavors would never be the same. 
Another, even greater, episodic series is ready to take the greatest action thriller of all time mantle. And we hope you'll be listening. Don't miss the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, reviewing each and every episode of ABC's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. bullet point by bullet point. Check it all out right now at agentsofshieldpodcast.com. That's agentsofshieldpodcast.com. Sound. It brings us thoughts, memories, and feelings that are often hard to describe. Thankfully, it's never been easier to describe the quality of the products we use to make the Two Guys Talking podcast shows. Heil Sound has supplied us with some outstanding deals that allow us to bring you some of the best quality podcasts that we just simply couldn't provide without the quality items Heil Sound provides for us. Be sure to stop and visit the Heil Sound website at HeilSound.com, H-E-I-L-S-O-U-N-D.com, for your recording needs. Whether it's the outstanding performance of their new Finn microphones or the stability of their PR2 microphone booms, one thing is sure. You'll also be able to give a clear, concise description of what you get from using Heil Sound products. Satisfaction. Tell them that the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network sent you. Want to win life-changing money? Don't miss out on the upcoming Heartland Poker Tour. It's back and inside our brand new River City Hotel and Casino facility in St. Louis, Missouri. All the schedules, costs, and more are ready for you right now at rivercity.com forward slash HPT. That's rivercity.com forward slash HPT. Welcome back to the Versus Machine, and we're going to move on to monsters. Zombies. In the video game and the movie, zombies are the main enemy. It is pretty much the main enemy here. That's the first thing you come across. In the film, first thing you see, the first enemy that you even encounter is just a zombie limping along in the little secret area and encountered with the team, and then a massive swarm it embraces them with just mass hysteria. Right. If there's only a couple, it's no problem. They're pretty slow. They aren't going to gre- reach you. But if they come in packs, that's the problem. Because then they're just going to start swarming you and you better have your weapon ready. And that's what I liked about the movie. While in the video game, when the zombies were the first thing you see, you're usually encountering one at a time or maybe two at a time. Uh-huh. Not too many. So they're definitely manageable. But in the film, they're just surrounded by the undead. They need all the help they can get to... Take oh yeah, control. it's a lot more frantic, crazy, and in a situation like that, you really need to think on your feet. But throughout the entire film, that was the main enemy. Yeah. Uh, in the video game, through a good portion of it as well, uh, when you're exploring the mansion, that's almost all you encountered right. were zombies. Mostly. And I think is the perfect enemy for a video game, starting out in the very beginning. And almost, I think, the first actual game on a new gen console where you could Uh actually encounter a zombie fight it and have that threat and it was quite an an experience cerberus in the video game cerberus are the most common mutated enemy 
In the movies, Cerberus are the most terrifying enemy. These Cerberus are the Doverman Pinchers? Yes. In the other Resident Evil games, they're known as the zombie dogs, but that mainly alludes to mixed breeds. So that's why they changed it to with, just the common name. Yeah. The Umbrella Corporation, when they were experimenting with the virus on the dogs, they had used Doberman pinchers by injecting the T-virus in them and seeing them mutate and see what they would become. But that was the specific breed that they would use. And so they labeled it as the codename Cerberus for their experiments. Okay. I mean, each experiment had their own name, but Cerberus was for the dog. Right. They, they were already aggressive alive but now that they've been injected with this t-virus and more deadly it's dealing with almost a faster more ravenous dog and really and runs much more faster than you so the oh other than a slow walking zombie that's definitely you you gotta watch out for them because they will definitely tear you apart jump up and bite your head off in the film they're only shown really short in a very short scene with alice and it's actually a pretty good point, too, where you get to develop, discover Alice's true fighting skill instead of her just kind of off to the side. But right. when the scene with the Cerberus attack, um, the just the grotesqueness of the, the decayed flesh on the body going into that scene was just amazing. It was pretty detailedly grisly, so it oh, was yeah. nice to see. And just seeing her in a room swarmed with about maybe five or six of them, and they all leaping at the same time. I mean... You got that feel of... Oh my god, they're coming after me. I need to get out of here or I gotta shoot them. Oh yeah, it's just a much more aggressive threat than your typical zombie. I just wish that there was a little bit more than just that one scene where she killed them all. Other B.O.W.s. In the movie, there was only, I guess for budget reasons, there was only zombies, Cerberus, and a liquor, which was shown in the video game Resident Evil 2. We both played the video game to where right. there is such a vast amount of BOWs that they didn't just experiment with just one and two things, with human being merely infected with the T-virus making him undead, and then a dog infected with the T-virus turning him into a Cerberus, but we also uh-huh. had the hunters, which were mixing the T-virus with amphibian DNA, the much right. more more aggressive, That's why even much more aggressive than the Cerberus. I would be scared of them too because up on their two feet running, they're actually pretty fast and if you're not careful, they will decapitate you pretty fast. Oh yeah, it's bigger, it's tougher. Same goes with when you also discover the other B.O.W.s, the giant spiders. The spiders, that <laughs> that would freak me out. Their aim was so perfect with their poison that I got mad every time because after one hit, I'd, be, I'd have to pause it because I think I'd be poisoned. The first time I played the so, game, I knew that there were giant spiders in the game, but when I went into the room and I saw them for the first time, I turned right back around and went out and I was like, nope. <laughs> I'm not going to deal with this one. I am not dealing with giant spiders. I already have that Enough little fear, fear of them. Right. So, See them in the game like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to let them keep whatever treasure is in there and go back out the door. Right. A giant mutated plant, the Plant 42. There is so much that this game offers as far as enemies. Yeah. There is no shortage of enemies. No, they got a nice array of uh, monsters in this. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't really imagine in the film we seeing all of that we i guess they had to be realistic about it pick the more common enemies sure and let's roll with it where are they gonna go and find a giant plant that attacks that really wouldn't suppose it wouldn't be very realistic well. for it, a movie it just wouldn't sense. look too right no i'd say the game definitely has its assortment of enemies that keep the fear going the survival horror alive right because you may need to put the pistol away and keep out your shotgun or you know something stronger and you even have in the very end of the game you have the tyrant which is 
the T-Virus, what they were really trying to achieve as well was trying to create a superhuman mm -hmm. for military means as well. But it was the biggest accomplishment because it was the hardest to pull off. And by doing that, it was almost like their perfect creation. And being right. probably about 10 times your size with giant claws is really maddening. <laughs> So it was a superhuman? It was originally human? Is that what it was? I would assume it, w it was originally human. I mean, how did it get to the stage <laughs> of what it looked like with the giant claws? Did the Well, given what I said earlier, the T-virus reacts differently from each, from person to person. Ma and I suppose right. they had found the right one that fused well so much with the T-virus that... It wasn't just a zombie, but this right. other thing called the tyrant. It, it, it was a giant creature, well... Unfortunately, they weren't able to control it, but it was their more perfect creation out of all the other experiments that they had done. Maybe there was something more to this specific human that became this tyrant. Maybe it had something else a part of it. Maybe some sort of disease to it or something that somehow binded the T-virus with it to create this so-called tyrant. It's very possible. They don't elaborate too much on what created it. It was more of like their prized possession. And Wesker almost idolized it and thought it was this beautiful creation that he had made. And I Right, and that's why it turned on him. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, he was definitely a challenge because at the very end, when you're on the, the helipad, you had to, you know, use a rocket to kill him. Yeah, you had to not only fight it once. So, not, only have to, not only did you have to fight it once, you had to fight it twice. That's right. Much he was more back aggressively. Right. I So he's incredibly strong right I, I would never want to face that it's probably the biggest foe themes and lessons the zombie outbreak i'm a big fan of zombies always has been but more in fact like what occurs when there is an outbreak in particular just mass hysteria chaos and just the overwhelming fear that you have during that time and that's no shortage of what happened in raccoon city when the virus no. had released in that town in resident evil 2. they didn't know what to do they were struggling to survive they tried to run away and they got in the way of the zombies and it just broke out into this massive problem. Well, I feel as though it it almost be like that in real life, too. Or any zombie movie we've seen as well. I mean, it's pretty realistic enough. You, people wouldn't know what to do. And, yeah, they would get themselves killed. They just don't know how to handle the situation. Because no one has been ever trained to deal with something like this. Even in the mansion in Resident Evil, were the S.T.A.R.S. members even prepared for something like this? No. You, you and can, a lot of them had fallen because of it. More of a really morbid experiment to see their, just to collect test data. Right. Um, I mean, to you, see how their monsters would do against people. Data collecting, that's all it was. Right. But just for the outbreak in general, there would be little to any life left. And if you did, just surviving in particular would be... It would break you. you you'd be broken. Lack of food, water, shelter... Again, something that doesn't even need to eat, to eat, well, necessarily have to eat, but it does. It, it doesn't need to was, yeah. sleep, and it is relentless to attack you. And just bent under those certain situations, uh, you, who knows how the people will react as well. They'll come at you no matter what. So it's, it's it, it is a massive problem. So it's really hard to determine what would really happen. Well, why don't we ask the audience, what, do you, what do you, would you think would happen during a zombie outbreak? I mean, how do you think people would react and how things would go for you or what, what your ideal plan would be if something like that were to happen? What would you do? How would you survive? Click the contact button at the top right-hand corner of versusmachine.com and let us know what you think. The Evils of Greed and Prosperity
there there is a definite line of greed here in this game or even both in the game and the movie but mainly around the umbrella corporation where this is a company that on the side that likes to play with the pharmaceuticals dabble into bow's as well but right i think their main goal is really yeah. power money i mean all of those that they want to feel empowered they they want to take control right just a overwhelming field of want to play god by making these creations with this virus to alter or mutate the people cells of a body or it could animals. be people or animals anything in particular could whatever be even they want plants just for the fact that they can create something new something better stronger. because they have the technology and the, the medicines to do that right and to sell it off to the highest bidder on the black market or even to secret government agencies, even terrorists across the country if they had to. Right. Focus in money, but just the power that they know that they've created this, they have this, and they can almost create anything. And it's just an over... It, it's a very high tone in both the movie and the game. Mm -hmm. Mainly the movie. Uh, just of all the creations that they had made and what they had planned to do with all this information, all of this power. Right. Experimenting on all these people. And they knew what they were doing right from the start. Right. And in the game, it's obvious by means of just gathering just The power. right stuff. Yeah, they, that's a lot of power. An inspiration of Sweet Home? Now, when this game came out, there was a definite sense that this had been not done before, but it was pretty close to a different source material uh, that was made by not only the same people, Capcom, called Sweet Home, but it and, helped them gather their information to create Resident Evil, right? Right, because while in that game you had a very similar setup to where you have five people that go to a mansion uh -huh. and what awaits them are just all of these whores that want to rip them to shreds. I mean, you have your cliche enemies that are zombies. You even have dogs. Oh, really? You have more to it, though. I mean, they have mutated, grotesque creations that that wander through the hallways. They have worms, even. Worms? Birds, bats, a lot of ghoulish characters that you would find from an old classic black and white movie, but also oh wow, a definite theme there with the zombies in the mansion. There was also ghosts as well, and more paranormal uh -huh. entities that were roaming around the hallways. Just the fact that it had it was a survival horror game. It was really more seems to be the forerunner for Resident Evil, and so, a lot of the people that created Resident Evil felt that way. Did it have? How about the story? How did that inspiration get to Resident Evil? Did, was it similar in a way? I mean, why were they at this mansion in Sweet Home? Well, they were in the mansion because it was a, a film crew that had discovered that there was these rare paintings that the artist had left behind because it was his mansion and so it must have been 30 years or so so and were they, they gonna... lost so they wanted to kind of they wanted to make a, a story out of this so when they go in it was a film crew they go in the door is locked behind them they're stuck until they hear a haunting voice that really spooked them huh well knows that they're not getting out of there alive but well, what's the story with the painting were they supposed to take them and sell them or just to do a story on them a story because they're very rare and the artist was very famous okay so to find these lost paintings these frescoes that have been there for ha what been years there for, yeah years and they just catch word that in his mansion out in the country they're uh -huh. here then yeah we're definitely going to do a story about it but fortunately it's more than again it's not an elite stars it's not an elite police force that goes out there no that, to go and not. explore the uh, strange occurrences in the woods of murders but they just heard that they were there and right. wanted to shoot it huh 
even the creator of Resident Evil said that he felt highly influenced off of this, that they had made this probably back in the 1980s, and it was more of, like, the inspiration for this game as well, and I think they put a lot of elements from Sweet Home into Resident Evil. Now that I've got more of an understanding of it, I I do believe it does sound like he did really gain a lot of inspiration to that as far as the incident of something happening at the mansion and all these occurrences of monsters popping up. Definitely more spiritual than biological, by any means. That's the only really difference between the two. Right. A video game movie. Bad or good idea? Well, I can't really say that it's good or bad. They're usually different from one another, and you can't completely be on the same level as them. Right. It takes me back to when I think the first movie that I know of that came out that was a video game adaptation called Super Mario Brothers. Now, right. while that, that was vastly different, almost reminds me of Resident Evil because the story was pretty different, although you did have... I mean, you had the character. You had the likeness. main characters, Mario and Luigi, as opposed to Resident Evil, didn't have any of the same characters whatsoever. Very different from the game. For it to be a good or bad idea, I almost want to say... It, more of a good idea. I think we would. I would like to see more adaptations from I mean, video games because there's not too many of them, but I don't think they've gotten very well received in the past. I mean, a lot of people were upset, I think, at the Super Mario Brothers movie and even Double Dragon. I, um, I think they're more upset because it's nothing like the game. And while as a gamer, I do understand that. I mean, I would have loved to have seen the game being an adaptation in the movie as close as possible, but... I can see where they're coming from for a movie perspective that it needs to be its own thing and their own thoughts and story to make something different. Right. You have to cater to both the movie audience and the video game audience. I think they kind of feel this way. You can't please everybody, Um, but you can take elements and put them together and make something. Right. So I think it's probably both a good idea if they have a really strong script and just an idea on what they're going to do with this, and both that will please both fans of the movies and video game goers. It's only a bad idea is if there's really nothing that can work with this with making this into a movie adaptation mm-hmm. because there's only so there's so much you can do in a video game that you're you can't physically you're quite do it in limited story. in a movie unless yeah. you're going way over budget there's you that. risk angering people because you cut out probably the moments that they loved in the video game as opposed to having that cut out of the movie just by time because video games you can play for hours yeah. movie only usually sure. lasts for an hour and a half Typical. So I think people, I think so. I think they're both a good and a bad idea. It just really depends on what they decide to make it out of. Adapt. Right. Yeah. Paul W S Anderson's vision: If we make the movie like the game, the people won't be scared and it will fail. I don't agree with his vision on that at all. I don't really agree with it either. I mean, I can kind of see it that maybe this is really. I don't believe that. All, everybody plays video games. I think no, there's a stronger mo- movie-going audience than there is a video game-playing audience, at least with, you know, an older generation. True. If I wasn't a gamer, I, I would, you know, maybe if I read the book or something, maybe I would love to have seen that adapted into a movie because of how terrifying wherever I've read it from, you know, whether it be the internet or actual book itself. I think we've all been there. I think to an a point we were kind of, oh, I don't really feel like reading the book. I'll just watch the film adaptation instead. It has pictures right. that move instead of I actually have to read print on a page. With this, I feel as though this doesn't even have to be that case because they originally, uh, George Romero who had made Dawn of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. He actually made a script 
for this movie, for Resident Evil. And it's kind of funny being that George Romero's zombie films were actually the inspiration as well for putting the zombie as the main character or the main enemy in the game in the video game so mm-hmm. we brought out a script that must, that sounds amazing but so did he have it like as close as the game as possible as far as detail go and the characters well therein lied the problem with the producers had felt that it was too close like the game how did how did they know did they play it too or how did they know <laughs> i think they're aware of what the story of resident evil is and i think when they had read george romero's script they're thinking there's obvious differences. Instead of Cl- uh, Chris Redfield being a member of the STARS team yeah. at the Raccoon Police Department, he was instead a farmer, from what I believe. So there's, <laughs> But they did have a mansion. They did uh, go in. There was monsters. A lot of the same re- reprising characters from the game. So it was very right. similar. But it was, I wouldn't say on, on spot but- with the game, but it was pretty close. But they didn't want that. They wanted something different. They wanted something to where, well... People didn't know where it was going to go. Right, and that leads on to the thing where if they already know what's going to happen, what makes you think we're going to be scared by it? Well, but that's not always the point. People want to see that adaptation in movie because maybe they played it enough times, they just want to watch it, you know, see how nice it looks in film. That's how I felt when they talked about the movie as well. I would have loved to see... The whole mansion, you know... Play the through. game that I played, yeah, and I'm still a fan. I know what was going to happen, but I still felt as yeah, though I would have enjoyed the movie. That wouldn't stop me from going to see it. Sure, if they tweaked the character a little bit, like Chris and the farmer, yeah, sure, okay. But, you know, like I, you said, I would like to see that play out in film. At the same time, too, like even though the movie was so vastly different than the video game, at the same time... I think it had a decent story to it. I think it could have worked very well with being it. I think that the movie was well as an original story as well. For first, for the first one, I think right. it, I think it worked fine. I didn't think it ran into many problems. I think fans were a little bit disappointed. Can't please everybody. There always is going to be somebody disappointed. For the first attempt, it was it was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't as strong as we liked it to be, but it, it was strong enough to I could accept you know, it as hold be- its own. I could accept it as it being its more original story and go down that path. But as it just as the movies kept popping out, it just got it, it just it, didn't it, set it just, right. Well, it it started combining elements of the game within the movie while the first movie the only thing you could even relate to it were some of the enemies the names of the city right. and umbrella and the t-virus these were just names so but when you bring in characters from the game mm-hmm. and then very similar situations from the video games into the movies you start to kind of blur the lines of what is what funny. is so i, I kind of feel like he's going back on his word just a little bit because he's throwing in elements from the game and i didn't think he wanted to really do that the movie had its good scary moments but I think even if we had known what was going to happen in if they had done a straight adaptation of the video game, I think we would have still been scared as well because while we know what's in the mansion, it is up to the director, of the how cinematographer, he to do of how right. you want to play that out, how you want to develop the story. And for the people who haven't even played Resident Evil before, which I'm sure a lot haven't at the time, would have been surprised, and I think it would have been fine. But I still agree with this being a decent version as well. I don't think it would have been less scary. I think it would have been just as scary if it was the same vision or not. Well, we, we won't know how well Romero's would have done if they actually made it. We'll never know. I almost wish that they did just to see the difference between the two, you know? Maybe if he, like, took it somewhere else, but... What I'd really like to hear is from the audience what you guys think 
if we should have gone with Paul W.S. Anderson's script, or if maybe we should have gone with George Romero's script, or if we should have even really done a Resident Evil movie at all. We would really like to hear back from you on that. You know, let us know what you think. Hit the contact button on the top right-hand corner of VersusMachinePodcast.com and let us know what you think. Conclusion. Well, overall, I think that both the video game and the movie have their good points and their bad points, but I think they're both really interesting into this ex- the aspect that they're both different. Like, I would have liked to see what Resident Evil would have been like if they had gone this direction, what the... Uh, they would have done in the video games as opposed to the movies. Yeah. So overall, I don't think it was a bad thing that they did this. I think they both have their perks. They do. They do have. They both have their strengths and their weaknesses. You can't. You can't make it absolutely perfect one way or another. But you can get really good ideas for the game or the movie. It's. It's just a matter of what you want in it. I think both the movie and the video game had a strong cast of characters. I think the monsters were played out very well. The zombies mainly. Yeah. I think that was more of the highlight. Uh, the score, the soundtrack. Phenomenal. Everything. I think they all were on par. I mean, it's really just a matter of opinion. What you prefer more if you are so adamant on being more of that video game person and just expel any thought of there ever being a film adaptation. But, I mean, I believe the film is worth giving a shot. I can't quite say for the most for... Or maybe the future. The future movies. (laughs) But I think the first film, because there was a definite... It had its feel to it. You could tell it was Resident Evil. Oh yeah, it it still I think it was proud to have the name of Resident Evil on that that movie screen. So I think both were acceptable. Right. I think they played out very well. But going back to uh, the music part of it, I did like how in the game the the music fit the atmosphere almost anywhere you were, wh- whether you were in conversation or fighting. You know, it had the right tone and the right energy while you're going through it but in in the movie i felt like it was just more like action they didn't they had all that intense music you know well you had to have action in that movie i i know but i mean just and i think the soundtrack for that film the score was well during those parts i mean i i do i did like it no but uh marilyn manson actually made the score for that film and entirely. Lot, yeah he did and i thought I think it worked for the pretty much the scenes. They were fast-paced, but they didn't quite get as goofy as they did until in the later films. I think they kind of kept it really nice, energetic, mm-hmm. and I think it really set the tone for the movie so, because I, that's the one definite thing I remember when watching the film. So the balance between the two were excellent, right? I think they were both acceptable. I mean, they, they both had a lot going for them. As the games progressed, they just got even better. The movies progressed, not so much, but they still are wrecking in more people. People are still seeing the films, and people are still playing the video games. Uh, I don't think Resident Evil's going away anytime soon. It's definitely got itself a fan base, both in the films and the the video games. Right. So, while I don't think we'll ever see Alice in the video game, or vice versa, but we definitely will probably see more characters from the video games appear later in the movies so who knows maybe somebody else will start to make them that's true they might even remake resident evil and that about does it for us here at the versus machine make sure you contact us via our facebook presence at facebook.com forward slash versus machine or the contact button at the top right hand corner of versus machine.com let us know what you think i'm steven wagner and i'm steven clifton and we'll see you next time
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Versus Machine Podcast on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Be sure to like us on Facebook and share your thoughts on this and other episodes inside our online archive of programs that span a wide variety of genres. It's all about comparison, and we want to know what you think. The links to do all of this and show notes for this episode are available at versusmachinepodcast.com. That's versusmachinepodcast.com. Thank you for listening, and provide us with your thoughts and contrasting opinions to keep the gears of the Versus Machine running. Power down.